Hey everyone, this is Coach Mark Nolan, and welcome back for another episode of Don't Out Kick Your Coverage, the only 100% podcast solely dedicated to the high school students and their parents as they're climbing to get to that really that 100% college athletic scholarship and the craziness of the NCAA, the transfer portal, NIL, and everything else that goes on. Our mission today, as like in every podcast, is to help you, the parent, and help you, the student athlete, with the issues you are facing and having us to try to provide some solutions to you. So with that, our guest today is Mr. Joe Prophet, and Joe runs a company called rockslingers.com. And Joe, if you don't mind, I want to welcome you to Donut Kick Your Coverage, and thanks again for joining us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me, Coach. I really appreciate it. I yeah, really appreciate yeah, Joe. Th- thanks, and thanks again for for being on the call with us. Listen, I know that you're busy as we all are these days, but you know, one of the things you and I have been talking about as we see each other out in the out in the field of play when we're coaching our our guys and gals uh, is that just some of the things that goes on, you know, in the kids' lives, in the parents' lives, in the high school athletes' lives. And then those athletes trying to get that elusive 1% of the college athletic scholarships that are being doled out, you know, by the NCAA. Uh, and, and of course, you know, the backgrounds that you and I both had as, form- as former athletes and now as coaches. So um, with that, once again, Joe, welcome to our podcast. And uh, let me start out if we can with just really the first question I have for you is, you know, why did you start on this journey of wanting to help? Young, college, young high school athletes out. And for those who don't know what the path is, what it takes to become someone in your field, especially on the track and field side of the house. Well, Coach, that, that's a very good question. Uh, my motives when I began this uh, journey were completely selfish because I had a daughter uh, who was nine years old at the time, and I was traveling back and forth, and I was in town once and and saw her, went to see her compete, and her coach wasn't there. And I do shot put in discus in high school. And I said, well, let me just try to coach her until her coach, you know, comes back. I didn't know it was going to take him a month to come back because (laughs) of how the track schedules go. And so it turned into me being her coach for a month. Well, you know, my curiosity got the best of me. And the distances that she was throwing at the time, weren't that far from, you know, national level type distances. And so I said, well, maybe with a little work, you know, I can kill three or four birds with one stone. I can uh, hang out with my my kid and and, and I can teach her something that may be useful in the future. I had no idea how good she was going to be or what it was going to turn into, but God really blessed us and it, it, it turned into something uh, that has really been been a tree of life for us. So, yeah, that, that that's awesome, and uh, uh, you know that certainly is. It sounds like to to a lot of us, you know, um, you know, you know my story and our son's story and stuff like that. And you know, a lot of it it does come down to, hey, I may not know everything, but at least I'm showing up, and I'm I'm showing exactly. up as a coach to learn because, like, I'm I'm like you, Joe. I'm a I'm a lifelong learner. I, I learn Absolutely. and research things out the wazoo, you know, really to help the athletes out and to help the kids out. Um, so, 
you know, that's that's where uh, my background and yours is very, very similar in how we approach wanting to help these young athletes out. So as you move down this line with your daughter, I'm sure at some point in time, Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Smith walked over to you and said, uh, who the hell are you and what do you do? You know, uh, and, and so did you start looking at that then of getting into this business of training athletes? Uh, both on the physical and mental side, uh, and especially in the areas of track and field. Coach, I, I wish that had been, if the journey had been that smooth. What, what ended up happening was my daughter was coming into the sixth grade, and this was going to be my large opportunity to hand her off to someone who actually knew what they were doing. Ooh. And it just so happened that the school that she went to, at the time, the middle school that she went to, had a throws coach. And so I said, great, I'm going to go meet this guy and hand her off and she's going to be in good hands now. And come to find out, as fate would have it, the gentleman that was the throws coach at the time had been a mentor of mine in high school. Wow. And was nearing retirement. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, Prophet, great, you showed up. I'm going to do this this year, but after this year, you can have it. And so the next thing I do, I was not playing at all. The next thing that I knew, I was a volunteer coach um, when when she was – that was when she was in the sixth grade. Um, she ended up going out and winning middle school state in the sixth grade um, and had a very uh, prolific sort of middle school career and just kept up with it, did everything we asked her to do, and, you know, and, and the rest is history. She ended up – uh, being the Gatorade player of the year in Georgia in 2021. First time wow. it's ever been a thrower. Wow. She has a state record in shot put as it, as it stands of right now. She is the girls all classification state record um, and is a division one athlete on scholarship. So it, it really worked out. Um, I credit her mother with her being so such a great kid and being, being so coachable. Well, of and course, of course you have into, to say that. Of course you have to say that. Your wife's oh, coach, well, no, coach, I'm, coach, let me tell you, coach, I'm, I'm a pretty straightforward guy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Uh, it is 1,000% true. Um, I, and that was the way I ended up coaching other people. And, you know, it just turned into every time we went to a meet, people would say, hey, you know, where'd you learn how to do this? And my daughter would point at me. And that is how it started. Well, that, that, that's awesome. And, you know, I, I know your wife's a Philly girl, so she'll, she'll appreciate me, uh, me giving you a hard time about that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what's your absolutely. favorite, Joe, what's your favorite part, Coach, of the job and, you know, your least favorite part of your job? My favorite part of the job is teaching a kid something that they previously did not know and watching them fall in love with the sport and really fall in love with the process uh, that requires discipline, attention to detail, and sort of all the things that uh, encompass life skills that make all of us better, whatever we do. Uh, that's my favorite part. My, my least favorite part, and, and I'm probably going to catch some flack for saying this, but my least favorite part sometimes is the parents and, and administrators and different people who uh, try to run interference on the child's progress, and you would be surprised at how much interference is run on oh, no, these wouldn't. kids' no, progress I, by adults. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. No, I, yes. wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, yes. So, 
but yeah, yeah. It, it is it is part of that job that we as coaches, you know, take on. Um, and you know, we because we know we have to we have to mitigate some of those circumstances. We got to deal with you know we got to find out who our who our customer is. And well, you know, in most times, it's the parents that are writing the checks for us, right? But on the occasion, right. on the occasion that we don't, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of track and field coaches out there. Some are great, some are bad, some have great bedside manners, some don't. Um, you know, and just like you know, kicking specialists, we have some great coaches out there. We have some not so great coaches out there, but we always have the involvement. I call it triangle. You know, it's the, it, there's three parts of the athlete. There's the athlete themselves. There's the parent involvement, and then there's the coach's involvement. And if, if all of those three are equal in lengths, you know, and angles, we usually have a great environment. When one of them takes the other, it, it usually is a train wreck. Um, so I don't know if that's been your experience as well or not. Absolutely. That has okay. absolutely been my experience. I, I had the advantage of most of the time, except for the past three years, I was coaching my child also, and now I'm coaching my son. My son pretty much attends all practices, and so I, I have the advantage of that. Not all coaches have the advantages that I have in that they're not coaching their child at the same time that they're exposing their coaching to other kids. Ooh. And and so if you don't have that advantage, you're only coaching other people's kids, and there's many different opinions and factors and and sort of scenarios that go along with that if you have 10 kids that you're coaching believe me you have at least 18 different scenarios at least um and and those take some navigation those take some navigation i always say that uh the kids are easy to do the, the kids are are a joy it, it's everybody else that um, you deal with, and, and I'll say this, 75 or 80% of the parents are absolute, they're great. They're great. Um, different, you know, not all parents wake up in the morning and when they have that kid driving home from the hospital says, I can't wait until that kid is a thrower in track and field. I, I, I want this kid to grow up and be a great thrower. Um, and so our sport is not always in the purview of uh, parents that have athletic aspirations for the children. Mm -hmm. And so that is the vast majority of the fight that you have fighting against other sports, uh, other athletic leagues and other things uh, that have a lot more influence in the world right now uh, than our sport of, of track and field and more specifically the track and field and throwing. Right. Right. And, you know, you raise a good point. I, uh, I had a really great friend of mine. I still do. Uh, we play, we were coaching soccer together. I actually was the, I was a DOC. I was the director of coaching at this one soccer club. And to your point about coaching your kids, you know, I, I trained our son all the way up through high school until his senior year. I decided to take that last year off and enjoy myself in the stands with my wife and I on Friday nights at Blessed Trinity. It was an awesome time for us. You know, I hadn't really had an opportunity okay. before. Um, and, but going back to when our son was about U10 or U11, um, I was coaching another team. My buddy Don was coaching our son's team with his son. And he got so frustrated okay. uh, with his son in this soccer match 
that he finally took him out and he literally, you know, harangued him for about five. I, it seemed like five minutes, but it was probably maybe 45, 50 seconds, right? On the sidelines, right. doing a very intense soccer match. And at that time, he took his eye off the ball because he was berating his son. And sadly, right. you know, I got to him after the game. I was like, Don, Don, you know, look, I know it was intense. I know your son was there. But look, guys, you know, we had we have 10 other people on the pitch. And when you went right. over and started dealing with your son on this one issue, it caused havoc for the 10 other people. And I said, and the parents right. saw that as well. So it, it is a very tough balancing act, as you as you rightly so, Joe. Hey, I, I even had a I even had a dad one time, you know, uh, almost tell me that I was taking favorites of my son over the other kid. Although my son beat this kid every week when we did practice, you know, for the starting job. So uh, right. you're right; it, it is a balanced approach, and 85 90 percent uh, of the parents are awesome people. But we, we know we do have to, and I, I can usually, you know, Joe, I can like, probably like you, I can usually feel them out when the first 10 or 15 minutes, the first time I meet them, I kind of like know what kind of parent I'm going to be dealing with. I don't know if that you have that, your experience as well. Well, I, coach, I'm, I'm not as experienced as, as you are, but um, when we, when I started, I did not have, I did not have the skills to be able to determine that fast what kind of parent I was going to be dealing with. Um, most people assumed that I was going to be giving favoritism to my daughter in, in an individual sport. It's difficult to do that. Correct. In a team sport, it's easier to show favoritism to a kid or two uh, than it is in an individual sport. Because when you get in that ring, you're by yourself. There is no favoritism that comes into it. That's right. Um, but uh obviously i was coaching my daughter but I, I i made a promise to to the lord and i told the lord if you bless me with this i'm gonna coach every kid like they're my kid i'm gonna do i'm gonna do everything i can for every kid that comes out of here and when i tell you god he did that and so and i'm doing my part and i do what i said i was going to do which is i coach every kid the same way i coach my own kid and so nobody has come at me and said you're showing favoritism toward one kid or the other because if they said that, they would have no basis whatsoever. Correct. Correct. And so that is that has been my journey thus far. Um, I, I will say that, uh, again, and I, I hate to, to say this again, but the, the biggest problem that I have is other sports. Now, I was a football player. My dad was a professional football player. And, yep. you know, I understand. My rule is that if the kid is better at the other sport, um, then great. I am all in support of the kid because our main goal is to get opportunities for kids, not only to get scholarships. And I think the whole scholarship conversation is what it is. A lot of people don't understand how NCAA scholarships work. And I'm glad you brought that up mm -hmm. in your introduction, but it's getting entrance into the institutions that your kids want to and deserve to get into. Mm -hmm. That's the main hurdle. Yep. Not the financing part of it, uh, the financing part of it becomes an issue as a secondary situation. But yeah, the main right. goal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. The main goal is to get the kid into the institution in the first place. And, you know, and that's and, and that is the goal, right? It's it, it hopefully and 
it's not a, just a D one or bus mentality, but it is, you know, to your point, just the institution of higher learning itself is what creates the Absolutely. opportunities. So yeah, with, with, with that, with that coach, what is the one idea that, you know, experts in, in your field that they may say something that you may disagree with, whether it's on the mental training and the strength and conditioning side, and how do you look at this situation and its effects on them as athletes? Good question. Good question. The, the main thing, that, that the mainstream ideas that I disagree with are that certain kids are cut out for it and certain kids are not. I, I think that track and field is one of the only sports. And by the way, track and field is the most participated sport in the world it by is. far. It is. Absolutely. And, and people do not understand that. There's a far more participation, just about whatever build your kid has, and within reason, athletic ability, within reason. Yep. Um, they, there is an event in track and field that is suitable for them. Not every kid's a football player, certainly not every kid's a basketball player or a baseball player, but there is just about an opportunity for every kid that wants to participate, given the right situation. Oh, and and so that's the main thing that I disagree with that is kind of out there. Like, you know, you have to be sort of a specialist and you have to be these things. Those things come much later. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. You know, I was, listen, I ran 110 meter hurdles in in high school back in, you know, 1875. So, you know, But, you know, I came from a family of seven and, you know, my mom was always like, get your ass outside. You you can't come inside. You come inside, I'm putting you to work. So we were always Absolutely. trying to keep ourselves baseball, basketball, football, soccer, volleyball. You know, I don't know if you heard my last podcast about the, you know, the kid, the wall and the ball. But, you know, that was that was me growing up. And you know, hopefully some of these kids don't just, just take the specialization side. So, you know, there are many there. There's a lot of many courses that some people focus on around athletes mental side of the game and care. And is there one that you focus on over others, especially in track and field, because you know, you've got, you've got people, you know, one guy's doing a, a discus, someone's doing a shot put and the guy behind him's doing a, you know, they're doing a pole vault. And, and how important is that for all those things to, to be, encased into the mental side of the athlete's game when they're trying to focus? Good question. Mental and physical versatility are very important in all aspects of life. And we take that approach uh, in our training and in our coaching also. Uh, My saying is that I don't coach one trick pony. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to do at least two events, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And much to to the chagrin of of the kids because once they fall in love with one of the implements or one of the, one of the events, uh, they only want to do that event. And that is their first and only love. And you know, our kids that age can be, Oh yeah. Uh, but I, I don't allow them to do that because, uh, you can't put all your eggs in, in one, in one basket as my grandmother would probably say. So mm-hmm. that is, that, that is our approach to that part of it. Okay. If, I, if I'm asking your question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things that, you know, we, we look at is, you know, do you do more visual representations? Are you more of a kinesthetically kind of a guy? Like I hear what you're saying. Do you look at, do you ask those 
you ask your people to visualize what they're doing um, when they're in the moment or are there things or other mental sides of the game? Because, you know, like I said, in track and field, you know, it can come down to a matter of inches, you know, between who gets first place oh, and who gets second place, right? I mean, like I, like, I, like I said before, you know, they don't usually put the fourth place finisher on the Wheaties box. So, you that's, know. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I, I think, Coach, the, the mental aspect, and, and really I had to grow as a coach and, and, and as, a, as a person, quite frankly, to believe that the mental aspect uh, was such an important part of it. I was raised in the house with a professional athlete, with a professional right. football player, Right. Uh, with a guy that was in all aspects of everything, the man, as, mm -hmm. as, as Coach Sanders would say, mm -hmm. um, you know, my dad was the seventh player selected in the draft. So he mm -hmm. was the, the strongest, fastest, most, I was raised around that guy and it's impossible <laughs> to be raised around that guy <laughs> and not be mentally strong. Right. It's just, it's not possible. And so everyone has not had that experience that, that I was blessed to have. And the biggest, if, if you ask me what is the biggest problem on the kid level, on the kid level, not holistically, but the biggest problem, I would have to say it's that the kids now just don't believe in themselves as much as we did when we were kids and as much as in generations past. Now it, there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of, of second guessing that goes on. And at first I could not believe it. And I, I started realizing how blessed I was to have had the experiences that I had because not every kid has had that experience. And the, so the first thing that we have to do is get the kids to believe in, in themselves and maybe not in their ability to go out and win everything, but their ability to grow and develop over time mm. that is what we have to really focus on because that really helps them as people first and athletes second right amen amen you know it's funny i we, you know we talk about and you and i have talked about this a couple of times about how we grew up you know i had six other siblings in my family and you know my old man my father you know he he was a world war ii veteran iwo jima and guadalcanal as a marine you know so when when he came back home there was of course, I wasn't born yet, but when when we grew up, it was always about, hey, listen, when I was 16 years old, I was I was I was killing Japs. That was his exact word to us. We're like, OK, so yeah. what I got to do, go out and kill some Japs for you right now. It's going to help you out. But he would make <coughs> excuse me, Joe, he would make trophy cases in our back in our back room of our house. The addition he put on and every kid had a trophy case, even our two sisters. Wow. Right? They were he had. So talk about pressure. And if you came home from a Fourth of yeah. July parade, or you came home from the football banquet, or the baseball banquet, or the basketball banquet, whatever it was, banquet without a trophy, man, it was usually hell to pay. But so I, I hear that. I think I think <laughs> there's a reason, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why they call that generation the greatest generation. Right? Oh, and, I mean, and, there's there's a reason for it. Amen. And you know what? I'm thankful I grew up in that generation, you know, and sometimes, you know, and I, I do share these stories with the kids. Some of them look at me like I have a third eye, you know, like, oh, here of goes course. Coach Nolan again, right? But it, it is true. I mean, um, you know, one of the things we talk about is in preparation. Like I, one of my favorite quotes that I came up with in 1981, I said, your success 
is in your struggles. I was that is unfortunately young, true. I was a young man when I said that. You know, I had been through a lot of knee operations. My back was bothering me. I'm like, you know, what? I'm I'm just not okay. going to give up. You know, so right. I think these kids nowadays, some kids, I don't say all of them, but some kids just don't have enough struggles. You know that they've been through. You know, Michael Jordan could have easily given up on when he got cut from the basketball team in eighth or ninth grade, right? Spud Webb could have yeah. said, "Hey, I'm five foot four. I'm never going to make it in the NBA." But it's those struggles right. that lead to your success. So, right, I, I think that's I absolutely that a great coach. Oh, I, I thank you, and I think that drives some of the mental side of the house. I think I think that's more of a mental condition than it is the physical side. I mean, we've all seen guys yeah. who are physically unbelievable, but mentally are basket cases. I mean, one of my favorite golfers is Phil Nicholson. And for years, he's a lefty. And for years, he used to get the yips. Yeah. You know, a, a three-foot putt, he could he would miss those three-foot putts more times than he would make them. And he used to drive me crazy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, here's one of the That's greatest right. golfers in the world, and he can't make a three-foot putt. So, um, right. with you know, here's That's the next right. question. If you had the attention, Joe – of of the whole athletic youth sports world for just five minutes what would you say to them and in my experience is to me this is a global question of all athletes and their parents who are playing sports well i I would say two things two things one we have to make sure these kids are mentally ready to compete on the level that they're going to have to compete for and with not only in sports and academics, but everything. Mm-hmm. When they step outside the confines of your home, it is a competition, whether they like it or think so or not. We have got to get these people mentally and in most cases physically ready for that. And two, we must we must fix the system specifically talking about the college system, we must fix the system. I don't have any problem with um, the foreign collegians and and opening up opportunities for people worldwide. I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. But we must have a system that is fair to the American system. We must have a system that is fair to everyone. Because it is, it is, in my opinion, broken. Oh, and I, we do those two things. Yeah, uh, yeah, we do those two things. I, I think we can fix a lot of other problems that are sort of ancillary to those. I really do. Yeah. Oh, I, amen. I mean, you know, this 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 international, you know, problem. I can remember back in the seventies, you know, when they started bringing soccer players over from you know England and Ireland and Jamaica and the UK and wherever they were coming from, right? And I never had a problem competing against those guys. It's just that when they were guys that were 24, 25 years old, right? And right. I'm 16, 17, exactly right. uh, you know, it's kind of like the Aussie thing. You know, as you know, I I teach a lot of Aussie-style football. But, you know, honestly, when you got a right. cat that comes over from Australia that's 23, 24 years old, who's coming in to play, you know, quote-unquote college football as a freshman, and, you know, he's going right. against 16, 17-year-old uh, punters, you know, who who – who don't have the experiences this person has, you know, it does set, I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think it's an apples to apples kind of a comparison. 
Um, you it know, is not like, an apples to apples comparison. No, it's not. And it I not. think that's I think that's where the NCAA, you know, I I I don't know why it's called the international. It should be called the international, you know, cartel athletic association as opposed to the national one. So that's that's to your point. If we can fix that issue, whether it's on a visa issue, a specific visa, I know they come over on a specific a specific visa issue now, but it, I just think that that bandwidth of a 23, 24 year old cat coming in as a quote unquote freshman is a little bit out of whack. So it is. Um, and, and it's because the worldwide system, and I'm speaking specifically for the European system, the worldwide system is different from the United States system of child development. Oh, absolutely. There really is no, yeah, there is no college sort of system uh, in those places. There's no collegiate athletics. It's just about all club athletics. It is. And it is. Yep. Yeah. And they're organized. It's like I, I tell kids, you're talking about Division One, and I'm glad you addressed the D1 or bust sort of situation because if you're D1 or bust, I said, okay, fine. Go to worldathletics.org and look under the U20 list, which is the under 20 list. You need to be in the top XYZ number of that list in order to have D1 aspirations. If you're not on that list, then I, I suggest you be open to other opportunities and situations other than just D1 of us. Yeah. Now, yeah. again, we have been very blessed to have the kids that we've had. Uh, we have five kids now at Division One places, but those kids all have some things in common. They had great support from their parents. Uh, they had uh, the grades were important, which mm -hmm. are the most important thing. Oh, yeah. And they started early with their athletic and academic development. Yep. So, so that that's an advantage, but not every kid has those advantages. And you know, you raise a great point, Joe, because um, you know, internationally, you know, one of the things that that I found out when I was traveling abroad, especially when I was in the service, is that you know, you look at the clubs over there; there really are professional clubs. I mean, they those. Those teams that play for their, like, for instance, there's a lot of the soccer clubs, a lot of the rugby clubs, you know, they may call it a club that they're paying for, but they're getting paid. They're getting paid some kind of stipend like our college guys do, right, and gals. But they, they really play for that town or they really play for that club that they represent. That's been, that's been their focus for many, many years. You know, and that feeder program is, you know, it's club ball. You know, they grew up in the town of, let's say, Heidelberg, Germany, and they play on the they play on the small team. Then they move up to the middle team. Then they move up to the, the higher level team. So it, it is it is a it is a different focus. And, you know, I think one of the things that we do here in the States is our kids get really into the specialization. And I think a little earlier than some of the European kids, because the European kids, but they specialize early on, Joe in one area where our kids, to your point, they're, they're playing five or six different sports. You know, they're, exactly. they're they don't exactly. have the time to take a, to, to take a breath of uh, fresh air. So uh, they don't. Yeah. They don't. And I think that's what the parents have trying to, you know, I think that's what parents have to come to grips with. I, I try, I do my best to talk about that daily with some of the parents I work with is, you know, you got to give these kids a break mentally. They need a, they need a break sometimes and physically they need a break just from, you know, what we call FMS at functional movement screening when they move from one sport to another. So, um, 
here's a question for you. I think you you love this question. Was if you had a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, you know, metaphorically speaking, uh, and getting a message out to millions or even billions of folks, what would it say, and why? You still there, Joe? I am coaching. That, that's oh. a very good question. And if, if I had a giant billboard, I would say, get your kids ready or make sure that your kids are ready. And then I put an 800 number down there so they could call me and ask me ready for what? <laughs> so I could tell them. And that, that, is, um, that is what I would do. I would say, get your kids ready for the competition that they're going to face whether they like it or not. It's a way of life. Competition is a way of life, right? That's right. That's right. And with the whole, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but. No, please With do. the whole, every kid gets a trophy and come on, you and I weren't raised that way. No. And you know, you, you and I weren't, and I kind of do the same thing that my dad did. Everybody thought my dad was way harder on me than he actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't win something or something happened, they said, oh, I know your dad's going to be mad. I'm like, no, my dad will only get mad if he doesn't think I did my best. Correct. That is the only time. Correct. And believe me, if he was in the stands or even if he wasn't, I made sure I did my best. Mm. And he used to say, because I know if you do your best, I already know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And if you, you can't win them all, yeah, he said, you can't win them all, son, but you can do your best all the time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, how we, how we talk to our kids and how we talk to our students and how we talk, and even how we talk to our, uh, how, how we talk to the, the parents about what they think is the best. I mean, you know, it's, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a big billboard to have with a lot of different messages on it. So uh, speaking of billboards, yeah. are there any quotes that you think about often or live by your life by, or even having your role to help inspire um, you know, your uh, young athletes? I do. I do, Coach. And even though there's five or six of them. <laughs> uh, hey, give them all, give them all to us. Give them that, all to us. Well, no. I, the first and foremost one was, you know, tough times create tough people. Mm-hmm. Tough people create easy times. Mm-hmm. Easy times create soft people. Mm-hmm. Soft people create tough times. And at some point, we have to break the cycle. We have to figure out a way that our kids who are living these, whether they know it or not, tampered lives, we have to find a way to make the times tough enough not to make them soft. Right. I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, I I try to tell kids that, you know, when they talk about adversity, I'm like, listen, adversity is that you didn't get your iPhone upgraded to the 15G. That's not adversity, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's not adversity at all. But, but to them, but, but to them it is. Yeah. To, to them it is. And, you know, the, sort of a beauty is in the eye of the beholder thing, you know? And, and I always, you know, I, w- I had the opportunity in college to be coached by Lou Holtz, who some of the people listening to um, this may not even know who that is, oh, but yeah. he's a a legendary coach and a widely regarded as the best turnaround specialist ever in sports. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he used to always say, you know, 
attitude determines how well you can do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some other things, motivation and ability may determine other things, but attitude will determine how well you do something. So if you approach it with the proper attitude, um, we can accomplish a lot. So John, I can say I could go on for a half hour about all the, the kids that I've had. And there was one, I won't call the kids names because I don't want to embarrass him, but I got him when I was in the seventh grade. Nobody thought this kid was going to do anything, but the kid had the right attitude. And when I say that he had the right attitude, coach, one of the best attitudes I've ever seen, I'm 51 years old, one of the best attitudes I've ever seen of anybody as long as I've been living, okay? This kid is now a West Point attendee, a D1 athlete, okay? And if there was a person that would be representing our country on any battlefield, this would be one of the guys I would want out there. I mean, I was blessed to be able to even coach him. But when he was in the seventh grade, nobody thought he was going to do anything because of his physique at the time, which transformed over the years. Mm -hmm. But he had the best attitude. And so based on that and that alone, I was willing to do whatever I could do for him. That's and awesome. when I tell you he took full advantage of a coach, that's an understatement. That's, aw that's awesome. You know, I, I, I don't even know this, but I've, I've had 46 kids go to the different service academies. 46. Wow. Uh, I've got wow. two right now at West Point, uh, and I got one okay. kid, and I got one kid uh, both playing football, and I got one kid at Air Force Academy who's the starting, who's a, who's hopefully will be the starting punter. And you know, his dad and I go back a ways. His dad was the Air Force quarterback. He's going to be on one of my podcasts in a, in a couple of weeks as well, talking about just how okay. tough it is to get into the service academies. So to your point, yeah, those the, the those people that go into the service academies, they're a different breed. You know, because they, are. they do go in for love of country first and, and not to play right. the sport to get into to professionally. So uh, it, it's a great it's always listen. it's always a it's always a blessing to be able to write that letter of recommendation to a young man or woman that wants to defend our country. And, you know, myself serving in the army, uh, that was one of my greatest honors is to have served our country. So, um, you know, here's a, a nice little side question for you. Is there an unusual habit? or absurd thing that, that you love to do or think about with your athletes when you're training them? Is there something that you either import to them as a habit that you've had in the past or something that is absurdly crazy that when you look at athletes, they go, hey, that was pretty crazy, but it worked. Um, yes. And again, it's going to sound absurd to probably everybody except you, <laughs> but I believe in getting, I believe in getting rest. I believe in the athletes getting their rest. Mm -hmm. And I butt heads with a lot of parents over it, uh, butt heads with some of the kids over it. They think they can do three or four different things and not get any sleep and not get the proper nutrition and not get the proper uh, sort of recovery things going. Mm -hmm. And I tell them in the middle of practice sometimes, hey, you're tired. And they say, oh, no, coach, I'm not tired. I, I feel great. I'm, I'm, I'm not tired. I said, no, no, you're tired. And that's why your throws aren't going as far. That's why you're, that's why some irritability happens sometimes. You're tired. And coach, rest is the biggest performance enhancing situation that you could get in. The rest and sleep 
enhance your performance more. It's immeasurable how much. So that is probably the most absurd thing that I say that people come back and say, hey, you know what? I tried that and it actually worked. <laughs> well, and you know, Joe, that's funny, Coach, because um, I had a kid a couple of years ago that went to a bus of Trinity and ended up going to Georgia Tech, but he didn't, his name was Jake Scholes, great three-sport athlete. Um, he didn't take the football scholarship at Georgia Tech, and I saw him at um, a, a party, a dinner party, right after he graduated. I said, you know, Jake, why are you going to go play for the Diamondbacks? Well, besides the, you know, big signing bonus you got, he goes, you know, Coach Nolan, I have been playing three sports my entire life since I was like you eight. I went from one sport to another sport to another sport without any rest, no relaxation. Wow. I was constantly on the road, blah, 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 blah. So he says, I decided that when Georgia Tech said, hey, man, you can play football and baseball here, not basketball, but football and baseball here, we're going to let you do that. And he said, you know what? Wow. I don't know how good I can be, Coach Nolan, if I just focused on one sport. So I'm going to focus yeah. on one sport and try to do that for 12 months of the year and see how great I can be. So wow. That's that's a message Amazing. a lot of times. I tell I try to tell the parents. Amazing. You know, yes. that that the and listen, you may have heard of one podcast where I had a, a you know, uh, this uh, Joe uh, Cavalito on a couple weeks ago where, you know, his, his daughter almost committed suicide. You know, she was a D1 athlete that played lacrosse. Uh, a lot of problems around that. So to your point, sometimes we just got to give these kids a rest. Um, so, yeah, yeah, uh, that it comes down and, to and that. Coach, it's funny you should say that, Coach, and I, I hate to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but Coach, we were talking this morning, even before that, Um and I don't want to call the name of the school, but they've had double digit suicides at that place over the past almost as many years. Mm. And it's a problem. And yes, on one hand, I say that kids need to be ready for competition. And, and that is true. But one of the things that gives you the proper conditioning for the competition is that rest has to be built into the equation mm -hmm. and that the pressure has to come from the right places and it has to be in the right amounts mm -hmm. and it has to be applied the right way. Otherwise, you can put a child, which is what these people are, and, and my daughter even gets upset with me sometimes. She's 21. And I say, right, but just these are children. These are not adults. And they can't be treated as adults and they can't be conditioned as adults. And handled as adults, the children, and children have to be handled as children, or they can't take the pressure we can take. Mm -hmm. And you can't put them under the pressure that an adult would be under because they're children. And there's a lot of other things I could say, Coach, that I'm not going to say right now because I don't want to get me and you in trouble. Yeah. But I'd say to all coaches out there, these are children. They're not adults. You can't treat them as adults. You can't look at them like they're adults. They can't be conditioned as adults and they can't be under adult conditions. They're children. They must be treated as children at all times. Anyway, okay, I'm off my soapbox. Now you're good. Now you're, 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 listen, I'm you're, off you're, my soapbox. <laughs> you're good. Ain't no, 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 no need for soapbox in here. I and mean, by the way, and, and by the way, I consider someone even in their early 20s still a child. Anyway, okay. You're right. So listen, by the way, tell your daughter, when, if she listens to this podcast, tell her that my son finally, yeah. when he was 24, 
finally acknowledged that he, that my wife and I aren't idiots. You know, that we're very extremely <laughs> oh, intelligent so, people. So it does happen eventually. Done. Yeah, so she's got okay, about three. Okay, so it does happen eventually. It I does, feel about, so much better. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think about 24, she'll start coming around going, you know, Dad, Mom, man, I don't know what I was thinking, but you guys were brilliant. Now, like I said, it may be 24, 25, but just hang in there. It will come, believe me. So I hear you. Well, I feel much better because for me, it was about <laughs> 35, Coach. I was, I was a little bit slow. <laughs> it was about 35 before I realized, hey, my dad, I think my dad knew what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Here's, a, here's a question for you that falls into that last bit we had. So, you know, how has, like in your life, how has a failure or even an apparent failure set you up for a later success? And do you have a favorite failure story of yours? I do. I do. I do. Um, when I was in high school, um, I didn't start throwing until I was in the 10th grade. Okay. And went out there and had been lifting weights and everything. And, you know, uh, went out there, was winning and winning and winning. And my junior year came back out there. I had won everything and won the region and everything. It was on the podium state and all that. Came out there my junior year, won everything, uh, went to Florida relays and all that. Came back and we had our regionals. Well, I didn't know at the time that sometimes they, um, they reorder and restructure the regionals. And so now our regionals included more schools, different schools. Sorry, it's my, oh, my dog wow. in the background. And so this time I went out not preparing the way that I should have been preparing and lost the region. And I was devastated. And it taught me that you don't rest on your laurels mm -hmm. and you don't assume that you're going to win just because you've been winning. Mm -hmm. And um, I went out, coach. And my, I cleared my desk of all distractions. I cleared my desk of all other things other than my grades and throwing for the next, I think, two or three weeks. Back then, it was two or three weeks between regions and states. And I went to state ready and prepared and was able to get a higher podium uh, position than I would have gotten had I not been prepared. And that, that taught me uh, the importance of not resting on your laurels and preparation and not thinking that you're going to win everything just because you've been winning. That's a very, that's a very sound, sound of advice. <clears throat> I've got a really great, great friend of mine. His name is Al Vaughn, uh, you know, Vietnam okay. veteran, cancer survivor, uh, 72 wow. years old. And in high school, Joe, and in high school, 1968, he set the record for, he did 3,333 sit-ups in one day. Took him six hours. Uh, continuous. I don't know if I've done that many in my entire life. So. Yeah, me too. Me too, right? That's he is crazy. now he is now 72 and he is the only, only nine-time Mr. Universe bodybuilding champion. He still competes, just competed really? about a month ago. Just competed about a month ago. He goes to go get he goes oh, against wow. cats that are in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s, and he beats them. Um, so I'm sure he does. You know, he his his competitive nature. But his mental and physical side of the house, I mean, he came back from battling cancer and, and then competed, I think, eight months later. 
right? When they said, no, nah, you really should stop, take it easy, chill out. He goes, no, nah, man, I'm not. And he, he was a kid that grew up as a foster child that parents let them on the doorstep, oh, wow. you know, in our small town. Wow. In New Jersey. And that's how we got sure. to be friends. Um, so, you know, fo- focusing on those issues, Joe and, and coach, these are why I, I love having these podcast discussions because it does bring out, you know, a myriad of different coaches, different philosophies, different things. But the, the, the one thing that is, seems to be constant is that we as coaches all are trying to help our kids become better. And, and that's what, whatever mental and physical side we do, we try to get them better. So, you know, here's the, I guess, one or two last questions, Joe, is, you know, in the last five years, and, and this is really, I, I really believe this to be true, uh, you know, pre and then post COVID, what new belief uh, or, be- or behavior or habit has most improved what you do and with your folks? And even more so, what do you think high school athletes and their parents will need to focus on moving forward? Uh, great question. Great question, Coach. I think that uh, cardiovascular fitness and flexibility are a lot more important than I previously thought previous to COVID. Um, Being flexible and having your cardiovascular sort of system and situation um, in in maximum capacity or close to it uh, is almost, if not more important than being physically strong. Uh, that is a, a relatively new belief uh, for me uh, during that time period. Hmm. Okay. Does that, does that include like hydration as well and stretching, you know, more? Absolutely. I'm a big yoga guy. And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw me. Okay. Actually, I was out there on Sunday with one of my kickers. And, you know, I think he and I were stretching and I was more flexible than he was. I'm like, dude, you're 17. I'm exactly. almost 69. How, how is this possible, exactly. right? Um, exactly. So what would you tell your parents? And you probably you probably do already have these discussions with them. What do you tell your parents and the high school athletes that you work with to get in the proper mental side of the game, whether it's in – and I don't even say the game. I mean, the game could be practice, right? It could be a right. one-on-one against somebody else. What are, you, what are you telling them now that maybe you've changed over the years of how to get them properly prepared? I tell them that starting from scratch, starting from the time they get up in the morning, they have to be affirmed in such a way. I don't tell my kids that, you know, they're, they're the best ever of all time of everything just because of just because their last name is Prophet. But kids have to be affirmed in who they are. And when they step out in any field of competition, whether it be athletic, academic or otherwise, they have to know and be confident in who they are and go out and, and sort of do them, as, as they say. They, they have to be in a mental position to be confident in who they are and their ability level and their skill level uh, and their stage of development. That's, that's the number one thing I tell parents. Hmm. And, and, and that's great. And so do you do anything differently, uh, Coach, with uh, the strength and conditioning side when you're sometimes dealing with maybe a coach that's still stuck in the sixties mentality of, you know, just heavy lifting uh, over proper lifting and stretching. Um, and do you, do you 
ever have those discussions with it's a, it's a hard discussion to have sometimes because you know you got the high school athlete that's that's got to deal with their coaching staff and then we have you and I that are you know pretty much private coaches on the side how, how much do you cross over into that at all or if ever oh I see okay now I finally see coach now that you're trying to get me in trouble is what you're trying to do. <laughs> I know um <laughs> You're, you're you're trying to get me in trouble with that question. Hey, hey you can. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Don't ever don't answer that question then. Uh, you know, I'm okay, I'm okay with it. Because yeah, coach. I, let me tell you. Well, you've I'm asked it now. You, you've asked it now, coach. You, hey, you've here asked you go. it now. There you go. The, the main thing is, I. I oh lord. You taking the fifth? Have, you're, gonna plead, you're gonna plead the fifth over here, or what? Yeah. I I had a kid years ago when I was a um, intemperate youth. Uh, coaching in my in my coaching career that was uh, playing. And by the way, uh, I told this kid, hey, by the way, football coaches are football coaches. X's and no football coaches normally are not experts at weightlifting. And so I gave the kid a uh, weightlifting program and coach within a week and a half. I got the call, um, which was not a pleasant one. Okay. Um, and let me just tell you, this coach, this kid was an all ended up being an all American athlete and is playing professional athletics right now. He's, I'll just say, he's playing professional football right now. Mm. This kid called me in the middle of the night one time. Coach, 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 coach. Guess what? I said, what's wrong? What, what, what happened? What's wrong? You know, what happened? You're an accident. Bill Knight is never a good coach. No, 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 coach. Guess what? Yeah, guess what, coach? He said, I just bench pressed 500 pounds, coach. I said, great. I said, why are you calling me about this now? He said, you know what, coach, you were the first person to tell me I could do it. And coach, I was blown away. I couldn't there believe nobody else had told a kid he could do that. There you go. There and, you I, go. and I say, you know, the weightlifting, I'm not a big fan of Olympic lifting. And that is normally where we sort of diverge um, from other types of coaches. Olympic lifting is in and of itself a sport. Yep. and an event yep. it is not meant to be training for right. other sports right. there are some things that translate but it is only sort of translation by osmosis and it is not sport specific most of it mm -hmm. um there was a very specific reason why the olympic lifting sort of thing got even introduced into the training um of football players and different things now i say that one of my mentors growing up was a guy named John Coffey, who was a very prolific weightlifting coach on the Olympic level. Hmm. I mean, as far as on the Olympic competitive level, he hmm. coached the United States women's weightlifting team for many years. So I, I have those experiences, but coach, I'm not a big fan of that training for other sports. Right. Right. And you know, Joe, so, to your, to your point, you know, one of the things that, and the people that are on my podcast that listen to me know, you know, so I actually built a framework for kickers and punters. It's my 40th year of doing okay. it, right? It's a framework series because, you know, we're yeah. different. And we built, and my friend and I, Al Vaughn, built a whole strength conditioning two and four week training program and also a, a, a nutritional guide, right, to go around there. And I, and I tell the kids, look, don't, you won't get in trouble with your coach because two things are going to happen. One, I've been doing this 49 years. I'm the longest serving kicking and punting coach in the United States. Okay. Number one. Number two, 
the training that we do is different. You know, doing heavy squats from a kicker and punter standpoint is some of the worst things we can do from our L1 to L5 bands. It's just hard. Yeah. Single leg Bulgarian leg squats. I love doing them and stuff like that. And we and I try to tell the kids, look, this manual is dedicated to give to you, to give your strength conditioning coaches at high school saying, it's not that I'm not going to work out. I'm just not doing these workouts because these traditionally have not been good for kickers and punters. And most of the times, you know, those, those, those strength conditioning coaches, you know, will, will give me, um, will, will give leeway to my thinking. So that, that does help sometimes. So I guess my last Co question. Coach, really, I, if, if I can add something. Sure. If I can add something, Coach. Absolutely. Because I know you're an old Notre Dame guy too. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, when Lou Holtz got to Notre Dame, one of mm -hmm. the first things that he did, and this is a documented fact, one of the first things that he did was he ripped out all the squat racks. Yep. Yep. I don't think any team that's been coached by Coach Holtz, who I said before, is widely regarded as the best turnaround uh, program specialist of all time ever in sports. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing he did was rip out all the squat racks. Mm -hmm. And coach, I, there's a reason why you are the most prolific coach in the United States. There's a reason why these guys are as good as they are and their athletes are as good as they are. It, it, it's not magic. It, it's not an accident. Yeah, and it's and it's data, so, and, and it's you know, that's Coach right, Joe. It's it's data. It's real data that we talk about, and I think that sometimes to your point is just getting the parents and those athletes, you know, to stick up for themselves. You know, uh, I mean, I'll just quickly tell you one coach really got in my face one about it about ten years ago, and you know he was about a four hundred pound strength conditioning coach that looked like he was so out of shape, and he goes, "Well, I'm the strength conditioning coach here." I said. You may be the strength coach, but the last condition you probably had was in your hair. So, oh Lord, the coach. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he he kind of was taken back by, but he laughed about it, and then we agreed yeah. that we were going to disagree on things. But you know, uh, so yeah. that was that's that's how it works out. So, what what can people expect, Joe, from you and you know Rockslingers dot com coming up next? What are some of the new things that you're doing in your practice, and what you're excited about? Uh, that you may want to share with us? Well, we have uh, really enhanced our scholarship and academic side as far as tutoring, preparation uh, for scholarships, uh, getting on a track to go to the colleges that kids go on, letting parents know what to expect as far as cost of attendance go. Um, you know, three years ago was my first class going to college as a coach mm. um, because it was the one that my daughter was in. So I'm, I had to learn that game. Yeah, and right. when you, yeah, I, I tell parents all the time when you're negotiating a scholarship or whatever you're negotiating with the university, you must be involved because adults are negotiating business deals, which is what scholarships are, yep. with children. Yep. And there's a reason why NBA and NFL and Major League Baseball and all other sports have agents, and even agents. for other adults, right. because they negotiate business deals for a living. And when an adult is negotiating a business deal with a child, which is what an 18 or 17-year-old is, as I said before, um, 
the child, your child, is at a huge disadvantage in that scenario. And so we have really begun to enhance the education um, and scenarios for our kids that are coming up to go to college, getting them on the track sooner, getting them on the track cleaner, and making sure um, that they're being uh, properly conditioned for that next level if they want to do that Yeah. on that level. Yeah. If and they want to do it amen. in college. Amen to that. You know, that's one of the things I... Uh, We've been design. We've been des designing some coursework uh, as recently to help the parents out. So you know, look at look at national look at the national letter of intent. It's it's a one sided contract of adhesion. It's all heavily written for the colleges. And there was just a I just saw a post where the university I think it was Marshall University they brought a new head uh, coach in bas um, soccer coach women's soccer coach. And I think he had like twenty three or twenty kids committed. Uh, who had signed and national letters of intent, and he came in as a new coach and told every one of them, "Hey, man, you know what? Sorry, I don't have a I don't have a spot for you." And they oh, have that, that, no that recourse. That sort of thing is commonplace, coach. Yeah, that sort and they of have thing no is commonplace. Have, right, and they have no oh, recourse. Yes. But you know, no they, recourse they wanna, whatsoever. They don't. And I, like I said, until until the you know the college coaches committee you know, the American Colleges Coaches Committee, you know, has a student athlete advocate on their steering committee. You know, kids are going to just sign that national letter of intent because they want to have the 15 seconds of fame on that signing day with mom and dad and grandmom and grandpop and the dogs and everybody else. So it's, it is an That's education. Right. It is a huge education. So I, I, um, I commend you for trying to help the, these, uh, these parents and these uh, young men and women out. So absolutely, um, that is that is our mission, Coach. To so what's, our what's mission your, is not to have. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Your your mission is what, Joe? No, I was just saying our, our mission is not just to have people throwing far. Our mission is to get these kids the opportunities uh, that sports and and their academics can afford them. Good. That is our that is that is our mission, not yeah. just to have people throwing. And so, Joe, where where can people either learn more about you or you know contact you and the things you're doing? I'll I'll put this out there later on in my in my uh, on my post as well. But you know, where can people learn more about your company, Joe? Uh, well, the the best thing to do is contact us via Instagram. We're at Rockslingers Track. Okay. Uh, it's uh, Rockslingers Track on Instagram. Okay. Or uh, RockslingersTrackClub.org. Okay. That is the best. And how about a phone number? That is number? the best way to get in touch with us. Phone number is uh, just or your text yeah, or something just, like that? Phone number is 404-946-8095. Uh, uh, and that okay. is, that's the best number to, to get in touch with us. Okay. Um, and even for kids that do not, you know, our proper name is actually Rockslingers Athletic Association because not everybody's a thrower. But we help kids in other sports also, like so, like a kid. I just I just referred him to you. I think he's a kicker at his yeah. high school. Mm -hmm. um, we try to get kids any opportunity that their athletics and academics can afford them. Right. Uh, whether it's in our sport or not, that is our mission. So that's what we do at every opportunity. So okay. those are the ways that we you can get in touch with us, and we'll help uh, the children any way we can. Okay. So what's one final thought, Coach Joe, that you would want to leave us uh, with our listeners today? Well, coach, I'm just glad to have the opportunity. I'm 
I've been really blessed by God to have the people around me that I had both growing up and now. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm just trying to pay it forward and, and, and pay it back. It would be impossible for me to pay it back. Everything that I owe, owe people that have helped me, but I'm just trying to pay it forward as much as we can coach. And uh, awesome. we're going to awesome. do that as long as I'm here, we're going to do that. Awesome. Hey, well, with that, Coach Joe, thanks very much for joining us on today's podcast of Don't Outkick Your Recovery. Thank you for and, having me. And for everybody that's on there, everybody that's listening, please like, comment, subscribe to our channel. And uh, for those of you who are uh, really serious about getting to the next level with uh, track and field, please reach out to Joe and his staff. And, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week on our next podcast series of Don't Outkick Your Coverage. Have an awesome day, everyone. Take care.